Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 67 of the Physician Assistant Exam Review Podcast. My name is Brian Wallace. I'm the host and creator here at Physician Assistant Exam Review, and today I have something extremely, extremely exciting for you. Um, a couple weeks ago, I was able to put together an interview with Alana on when she had failed her pants and how she put everything back together and wound up uh, just doing really, really well and moving forward from that. If you haven't listened to that interview, please go back and do that. Today, I have another interview for you. It's another member of the community who stepped up and said, hey, I heard Alana's interview and I wanted to share my story because I think it might help some people as well. And I was going to put it off and jump right into ear, nose and throat this week. But because of everything that's going on, I thought it prevented a really nice story of somebody who found themselves in a position they didn't want to be in and made the best of it and really took it and ran with it. And I wanted to make sure that that was something you guys were also hearing. I know in some of my emails lately, I've been quoting some statistics and going through my predictions and what I think is going to happen and where we're at and our preparedness and how prepared you are. And I've been you know, I don't want to say glum, but I've been a little more downbeat than I normally would be. But I also want you to see the other side of that. I want you to see that there's always a, there's always something you can learn. There's always something you can take away. There's a place to grow, even in, in a situation you don't want to be in. And today's interview is an, is an excellent, excellent example of somebody who found themselves in a position they did not want to be in. In fact, my favorite quote was, uh, I definitely believe that this was the right thing to happen to me but I'd like to be able to prevent it from happening to other people. And that's really what this individual did. They, they, they ran with it and made themselves a resource for people and helped their classmates and helped everyone else. And, and, and then by doing so, got them through a tough time and improved their situation. But I want you to definitely take that as the main takeaway is what can you improve even in this bad time? What can you make better not to... You know, you can spend a little time wallowing, a little time upset, a little time sad about it. But there are th- certain things that are going to be positives. You know, my kids at dinner last night, my, my youngest was saying, you know, I wish this wasn't happening, but I am getting to play a lot of screen, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I am getting to ride my bike a lot. And he was starting to point out and some of the, the better things that they're really enjoying uh, being home a little extra than they normally would be. So I want you to definitely take a, take a look at that. The other thing I want you to do this week, in particular before we jump into the interview, is to go over to the email, go over to the website and sign up for the email list, www.physicianassistantexamreview.com. You'll figure out how to do it there. It's really, really simple once you get over there. And that's where I can communicate with you. That's where I can send you uh, the tips, tricks, and philosophies daily on how to improve, how to get better. Some of the things that we talk about today in the interview are the things that I share, the methods that I share, are the things that need to be reinforced over time. So definitely hop on there. The other thing you will find out about if you're on that email list is this weekend uh, for Easter, I'm putting together a pretty big sale over on the website. I know a lot of people have been asking me for discounts on things recently, so I'm going to go ahead and do that this very weekend. It was something I was going to put off until later in the year, but I decided with everything that's going on and the number of people who have been requesting materials from me, I thought the easiest thing to do would be just to go ahead and put a package together this weekend and put it out there at some ridiculous price. I haven't worked out all the details yet, but I definitely want you on the email list that you can check that out if it's something you're interested in. Anyway, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the interview. Okay. And it looks like everything's working. Okay. Um, 
Okay, so <laughs> I never know how to start these because, like I said, I don't do them that often. The Where I wanted to begin with your story was you heard Elena's interview where she'd failed her exam and what she had done to sort of recuperate, recover, and how she wanted to help and share that with other people because she knew what a struggle it was and how hard it was for her to find information on that topic and how alone she felt. And if I remember correctly, you reached out to me and said, hey, I had a similar situation, not the same, but similar, that I think would also really help people. And I'd like to contribute and share that story. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's accurate. Because I really um, identified with her talking about feeling alone. Um, and that's that's how I felt too. So, so can I you, want other people to not feel that. All right. So can you fill everybody in on what your situation was? And we'll start from there. Yeah. So I started um, PA school in 2018. I'm sorry, 2017 the first time. Um, and I failed um, one of the classes my first semester. And um, ended up getting the opportunity to reapply to the same school and start over um, uh, with the next cohort. So that was so you so that was after failing one course. Yes. In your first semester. Yes. Yeah, I failed anatomy. <laughs> okay, and how? <laughs> I'm only laughing because I I actually just got done writing something about how much how many of our class failed the first anatomy exam uh, in my year and what a disaster it was and how our professor almost killed us um, yeah. <laughs> because nobody could remember it all, you know, all the details, but regardless the, uh, so were you, how did you go into school? Were you, did you feel like it was overwhelming from the outset? Did you feel pretty comfortable? How was your background heading into PA school or what did you know about it going in? Yeah, so I um, was always successful in school before that. Um, I was valedictorian of my high school, and then I graduated cum laude from undergrad. I did that in three years, taking like 17 hours at a time, and I was also working technically part-time, but 30 to 35 hours a week at the hospital at the same time. And I never studied more than a day or two before an exam. I just like, I just read over this stuff, and once I was, comfortable with once I could say oh I understand that then I would go and take the test and do fine um but I was just memorizing I wasn't actually learning stuff probably if I had taken any of my exams like a month after passing them I wouldn't have been able to pass them because I was just memorizing um but do you felt really comfortable using that style heading in because it worked in the past right right exactly um And then I started PA school. And I remember actually when I went in for my interview, I was talking to one of the current students um, and, and I was just kind of asking what it was like. And she said, um, you know, finals week in undergrad, that's every week here. (laughs) Um, And I said that felt pretty accurate when I actually got there. And then I think everybody's heard the phrase drinking from a, trying to drink from a fire hose. um, And that feels really accurate too. Um. But yeah, I mean, every time I moved up in school, people kept telling me it was going to be really hard. So like I was in middle school and they said, oh, high school's going to be a lot harder. And then it wasn't. And then uh, when I was in high school, everybody said college would be really hard. And it was more challenging, but it wasn't. Um, I mean, I just crammed everything and took tests and then went to work and came back and started over. So um, then I got to PA school 
And I feel like I took it seriously, but I didn't realize how different it was from undergrad and how much more difficult and how much more you have to actually learn. You cannot get by just memorizing. There's no way to do it in the time that you have and the amount of information that they're throwing at you. Well, to me, and that, and the fact that, and the fact that it repeats itself so frequently. Um, yeah. And what I mean is, what you know, you have a quiz or something every week, but then at the end you have a final. You still have to know all of the information that you did. Uh, so mm-hmm. that sense of straight memorization and then dropping the information, you, you don't have that opportunity because you have to come back and take a test on the same thing again two weeks later or three weeks later, whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. And memorizing is a waste of time because if you're just if you're only memorizing and dropping the information, like you said, you're just going to have to start over when that final comes up. So, but if you actually learn it, um, then reviewing before the exam is a lot easier. Um, I was also really overcommitted during, during school um, or during the first semester of PA school. I was uh, in a volunteer community orchestra and I was on the church worship team. And I was also on a softball, like intramural type softball team. Um, basically like every night I had some sort of a commitment. So I was studying like an hour or two a day. Um, if that outside of school. So I, I was way overcommitted to, um, I thought that that was my main problem, but that was a big one. And have you noticed that there are times when you can commit to more even now? Like I, I know, I remember the first semester especially was incredibly difficult, but then there were other semesters that you know, not to say they weren't hard, but kind of backed off a little and I could do some other things. Yeah, absolutely. I've definitely picked a lot of those things back up, especially on rotations. It's a lot easier. But during um, during didactic, I was able to pick some of those things back up. But I, I definitely, um, when I came back the second time, or what they call decelerated, I picked some of those things back up once I felt comfortable and knew what I was doing, kind of. The workload, that makes sense. So walk me through a little bit about how that first semester went. So you were completely overcommitted. You were doing way too much. You thought from previous experience that, you know, this should be a step up, but not crazy. And then you found out, I assume relatively quickly, that it was a heck of a lot more than you had initially expected. So what happened from there? Yeah, so I, my first quiz in anatomy, I think I made a 20 out of a hundred and I was just kind of shocked and thought, well, I definitely, I didn't, I just didn't know what to expect. I'll do better next time. And then my second quiz, I made a 10. Oh, um, so, so at that, that point you're in, you're in complete panic mode, I would assume. Yeah. You know, I've never made anything below a B and that sounds like I'm bragging, but I'm not, I'm just saying no, like that was the, level of difference between undergrad and PA school. No, um, and I appreciate you saying that because that's one of the places I pound my head against the wall is trying to get people to understand that it's not the same, that people are like, oh no, I can do the same thing and, and I can just work a little harder or do whatever. And and that's not necessarily the case. It's it's much different than what yeah. you were used to. Yeah. So I, I, you know, went to study groups and I, um, I actually went to, they have like an educational counselor at my school that is supposed to teach you how to study and she gave me a few tips that were relatively helpful um and then I I just like didn't get the hang of it until after the midterm and the midterm I failed and I kind of started picking up like 
I guess, understanding how I could study this stuff and not just be memorizing and be actually understanding and learning and, and doing it constantly um, was helpful. And then, but by that time, mathematically, it was possible for me to pass, but I needed to make 90s and 100s on every single quiz. Which is an unrealistic. Uh, yeah, it's just, it wasn't, at least for me. Um, so anyway, I, I did my best. I did make a lot of 90s and 100s, but not enough to pass the class. And so I met with the, um, it's called the PRD committee. I can't remember what it stands okay. for, but um, I met with the committee of the school that, that talked about what to do next. And they offered me a cumulative reassessment exam. So they gave me a week to study for it after finals. And I studied for hours every day. I told my friends, like, I have studied more in the last three months than I have in my life, and I've studied more in the last week than I have in the last three months. So <laughs> I just, I mean, made it my full-time job with overtime um, to study for this exam, and I needed a 75% on that exam to pass the course and continue in PA school, and I made a 74.2. Oh, my God. Yeah, so that was tough. Um, so they brought me in for another meeting after that, and they offered me what they call the deceleration route, um, basically to come in with a new class nine months later. I did not have to like redo my application or interview or anything like that because they knew me and they knew, I guess, how much I had improved over the semester. And they saw that, that I made the effort and was making 90s and 100s by the end of the semester, but I just couldn't learn a semester's worth of information in one week that I had failed to learn throughout the semester. Sure. And at that point, you've been struggling to hang on. You know, you're, I'm sure you're burnt out to begin with because you just finished all your other finals and then, right. to, go back, and then to hop back in and start studying again. It, it just doesn't, it's, it's incredibly difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And I have friends who actually took that cumulative exam with me and, um, and passed it. And then they continued on the next semester and said that it was awful because they didn't get a break at all between mm-hmm. semesters. Yeah. And, and I know that this doesn't mean a whole lot now, but one of the things that was just, I was thinking about as you're telling the story is this happened to you in your first semester, which in, I know that this is an awful situation, but I was literally just talking with someone earlier in the week who is, um, didn't pass a end of rotation exam and then they were dismissed from the program. Uh, and the, again, they oh, went wow. through some mediation. They had some other issues that this is not a one-time thing. I don't mean it that way. Yeah. But I, I'm picturing someone who's struggling to hang on, struggling to hang on, struggling to hang on, and then gets dismissed later. In some ways, it's almost a benefit that you kind of got slammed right up front and said, mm-hmm. okay, let me, you know, like I said, I, I get that it's a horrible thing, but that you got a chance no, to I sort agree. of start over and, and reassess your situation before you got in over your head and then, and you had an opportunity to start over. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been worse, I think. Yeah, I think I was fortunate to, to get the opportunity that I did when I did. Um, and I learned a lot over those nine months too. I, um, got to work as a scribe for a urologic oncology group. So that was cool. So you were, you, so you had nine months in between when the other class started, when the, when your new class started again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did yeah. you, um, how did ahead. that go? How did you handle, uh, starting over with the new class? Was there any kind of an issue there for you? Um, I mean, I guess the people coming in wouldn't have any idea or even care, but how did that feel for you as far as that transition went? So I actually thought it was going to be a bigger deal. Like, what do I tell people? I'm so embarrassed. 
um, everybody will think I'm stupid and I'm coming back in with them and they're just going to expect me to fail again. Or, and it you know, it took, it took a while to regain my confidence, but I think those nine months were helpful that, and then, um, actually I came in with a couple of friends who had also decelerated one due to anatomy and then another one due to a different class. And we just kind of talked about it. There had been some people in our class when we came in in 2017 who had decelerated and they didn't tell anyone. And so we were, we were going through all that we found out later, but we were going through all this difficult stuff thinking we were the only people who'd ever gone through this and had no one to help us. And come to find out, we thought there were people who had gone through it before us and had succeeded. And I wish that we'd gotten to talk to them earlier and gotten some advice or or just kind of felt a little bit less alone. And that was a when lot we of, found that. I'm sorry. That was a lot of what Elena had to say as well, that she felt very alone because no one told her that anyone else had failed. She felt like she was the only one. And then she found out later that there were five or six people in her class who had failed uh, her pants. Mm. And yeah. she was kind of furious at first that it would have been nice just to have a conversation with those people. And I'm sure for you to have, even when you started over to have known to say, Hey, you guys were successful the second time around. That's at least something for me to cling on to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and they did end up reaching out to us, but, um, it was just a little later than I would have liked. And so my, the friend and I that came in the second time together, she and I just kind of decided we're going to be as open about it as possible. And we're going to warn people like, don't, don't just take a 20 and say, Oh, probably just do better next time and not change anything. Um, right. Cause a 20 is so not, not a 75. Right. Right. Exactly. And mathematically you have to make a couple hundreds to get that back up to a passing grade. Um, anyway, so we were just as open as we could be. And, and our class has said multiple times that they really appreciate us being open about it because nobody failed anatomy in the second class that's coming in wow. with them. And how many people do you think failed it in your year or had, or at least were in danger in your first class? Uh, I think five or six people took that cumulative exam. Yeah. So that's, that's a nice um, impact. Could have been more, yeah. And did you find that anyone and I'm asking this for a reason. Did you find that anyone that it was a problem for you in any way to share that information other than the, your own sort of embarrassment? Did you find that it was an issue for anybody else or in anything else that you had to do? No, no. I mean, nobody has said anything negative about it uh, that I've told. And I, it was literally my own pride that that was the hardest part about it. But honestly, the people that I didn't want to know, I just, kind of glazed over it and most of the people that you think are going to care they don't so yeah you just kind of say like oh yeah i failed anatomy you know and then i'm starting over and they barely blink at it like you think they're going to have this awful reaction and you're going to be super embarrassed but and the point and the, and the point think. of that question and why i want you to talk about it for a second was because that's exactly what elena found was you know your first thought when you fail the pants your first thought when this is going on is how is this going to affect my job how is this going to affect my future is this going to be a problem and the answer is it's a huge problem for you. And I, I totally get that, but your employers, everybody else doesn't know and doesn't really, isn't all that interested, you know, as long as you're the yeah. person you are and you come back and, and do a good job, it, everything else kind of fades away. And like I said, I know it's a struggle for you. Um, but I think that's a big part of the struggle is that fear of what everyone else is going to think. And the reality seems to be that it's just not much of a story to everybody else. Exactly. Yeah. It affected us a lot. It affected my family and my, you know, husband who's working to support me that 
was a big <laughs> thing. But I mean, he was still supportive through it too. You know, I got a job in those nine months, but it still delayed us, you know, making actual money yeah. for a while. But, um, but that honestly, that was the biggest impact. The, the biggest other person who was impacted. Everybody else is just kind of like, well, you'll do it next time. Right. Like, proud of you for trying. <laughs> and that's it. So what were some of the things that you changed when you went back and when you started again? Because clearly you had um, a different a mindset going in. Clearly you had a different methods of doing things, I'm, I'm assuming, uh, based on your current success. Yes, I did change a lot of things. I actually make, made a list. So um, <laughs> I, first of all, I quit everything except for school and then church on Sundays. I was going like Wednesdays and Saturdays and Sundays and, you know, all that stuff. But I I stopped doing everything except for church on Sundays and then school, of course, told all my friends and my family that I was going to be hanging out with them a lot less and just like to expect less from me because I needed to focus on myself and on school um, and and then kind of pick those things up as I felt I could handle them. Anyway, that was the first thing that I did. I also learned that you can study differently for different classes. So like one class might be read and underline and then, you know, write out the hard parts or something like that. Other classes might be best learned using flashcards. And so or you might want to teach a class to your dog or your cat or whoever will listen or pretend to. That is a good study style. Um, but I just kind of had boxed myself into reading and underlining things. And that was the only way I'd ever studied. So I tried out different study styles for every class and figured out which one stuck the best. That's um, an interesting, I, and I think it's something that kind of is natural, but I, I wouldn't have thought to say it, which is the idea of studying differently for different classes and using different styles. I really like that. Yeah. Um, so that was really helpful. I also learned not to just stop studying when I understood it, but I learned that I needed to know that material. Because part of my problem um, with anatomy is the professor would get up there and explain where things were and I was like yeah that makes sense and <laughs> think that would be good enough to take a quiz the next week mm-hmm. um, but it's not you have to know it and you have to be able to say it back or write it out or whatever without help um, before you can take that quiz I also started using timers when studying instead of just sitting in a room for five hours and just trying to study as hard as you could but uh, so I started doing 25 minutes of studying and then a five-minute break. And then in that break, I would actually leave the room, take a walk, go to the bathroom, drink water, whatever, come back, and then 25 uninterrupted, uninterrupted minutes of studying after that. So that was helpful because I have a problem with looking at my phone when I'm trying to study. You're not um, If I just feel like I have like five hours then, oh, well, just checking Instagram for five minutes is not going to make a big deal. But maybe I was in the middle of something when I picked up my phone or um, five minutes turns into 20 minutes on Instagram or Facebook or something like that. Very, very easily. And the other thing I think is funny is when you go that that just that habit of going to check your phone when you get a, a little bit of a break. I have a feeling that that impacts you on the day that you sit down to take a longer exam. And you're so used Mm -hmm. to that twitchiness of going to check your phone that when you have to sit there for an hour or two hours or three hours and you can't do it, I have to believe that that's draining in some way because it's such a habit built up in all of us 
Um, and to practice oh, yeah. that, I think, is, is actually really important, as silly as it sounds. Uh, I, I think practicing not checking your phone will be helpful yeah. in the future. Definitely helpful. Um, so, yeah, those 25 minutes were longer than I normally go without checking my phone. So <laughs> that was really helpful. Um, I also, um, I started using my extra time with what I call micro studying. So you're not actually like at a desk with all your stuff out and reading and underlining and talking through stuff or anything like that. But um, I downloaded the Quizlet app on my phone and made flashcards for for anatomy, but overall for um, some other classes. So like maybe I'm waiting in line at the bank or maybe I'm, I don't know, waiting in line anywhere basically Mm -hmm. or just about to go to bed or anything like that. Then I'll just kind of flip through five or six um, or however many minutes I have just looking through those flashcards. And then also I started listening to your podcast too, um, on rides to and from school or church or wherever I was going. And then also using the final step. That's super helpful as well. Cause then I don't actually have to make the, the flashcards myself. Right. It's basically just pre-made and that's what we pay you for, I guess. <laughs> so. But, um, yeah, just doing those when I have a couple extra minutes anywhere. Cause um, actually your email this week that was talking about, uh, the 15 minutes of, of throwing back and forth, um, with your kid for baseball, 15 minutes, four times a week makes a difference even more than one hour on the weekend. Um, so that's kind of what I started doing as well. Yeah. I think all that time adds up and you don't want to be, you know, you need some downtime also, but I definitely think that, um, you know, just like exercise or anything else, that little bit of every day is, is different than really going hard on Saturdays. You know, I think that you get mm-hmm. much more out of that repetitive nature, especially when you're trying to remember things and learn things for sure. Yeah. And you mentioned something you do need some rest time as well. I, um, that I didn't learn until after my first semester coming back. <laughs> um, I started going to like a counselor for some like anxiety and stress and stuff. And, She's like, when are you doing stuff for yourself? And I was like, oh, you know, I can put that off another three semesters. <laughs> and uh, she said, no, you can't. So um, I started resting better. Um, not There's one guy in our class that takes every Sunday off, and I'm very impressed by that. And I just, I'm not, I'm too high strung to do that. So I don't take a whole day off, but I definitely take hours off. Or, um, I mean, now on rotations I do, but in didactic I didn't. Well, and most people don't um, notice okay. until they wind up with an eye twitch or something. And then they say, wait a minute, this isn't supposed to be here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you learn to, um, you know, all-nighters are not ever helpful for me. Um, they weren't in undergrad, but I try to do them um, in PA school if I was really, really stressed about an exam. But no matter how much information you go to, if you... I mean, go through during those extra hours. If you haven't slept, it's not going to come back when you're taking the exam. So sleep is really important and rest overall is important because you've got to give your brain time to kind of solidify that stuff you threw in there during the day. No, I think that's, and and those are the kinds of things that I have trouble convincing people of. (laughs) And I think that they're the most important thing. So the one answer is work as hard as you possibly can um, and get that done. But the other answer is, you're, you're not a computer. Your brain needs certain things. And one of those things is significant rest. And there are certain times a day when your brain 
uh, is better at learning. There are certain times of day when it's better at consolidating memories. And from 12 to 6 a.m., it's much better at consolidating memories than it is at learning new things. And that time is so wasted, even though we, we all struggle with it and everybody does the same thing. Um, it, it really just doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't. And that's another thing. Like if I felt like I was running out of time, like, oh, I need to get through this whole other chapter or something before my exam tomorrow, but I need sleep, then I learned how to prioritize important information first. So like, I at least need to know these things that are bolded and blue or something like that before the exam tomorrow. So let me just read those things, go to bed, and then I'll wake up, you know, maybe 5 a.m. or something and study a little bit before the exam rather than, well, I've got to get through this information, you know, and then it ends up being three o'clock in the morning and your test is in five hours or four hours or however long. Um, no, and that it's makes better a lot to of sleep sense. and come back to it in the morning. Yep. And it's tough. It's something that people struggle with is that prioritizing of information. And I think you say that really, really well. And I'm, I'm, and I'm guessing that's something you didn't do as well the first time around. Definitely not. No, I was in the weeds all the time and thinking that was going to help me understand it better, which I guess at some point it does help you understand it better. But if you're always in the weeds on the first topic and then you've got an hour or two to go through the second topic and it, you know, you, you're not going to get through the weeds on that one and you're barely going to understand the important part. Let alone the third, fourth and fifth topics that are all going to be on your exam as well. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And the last two things that I had written on my list of things that I changed, um, I, I joined a quiz bowl group with some class classmates. So, um, like an hour before the exam, we would get together and just kind of ask each other questions. I just kind of asked questions off the bat, but there was one guy who wrote test questions, which I wish I had done because I know now that it's super helpful, um, but he would write test questions and ask them to us. Um, so that was helpful. And that was a group and that you last... guys just formed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, yeah. good. Um, and then the last thing uh, I have on my, on my list is stop comparing myself to others <laughs> because that was a big deal. Um, I was always kind of listening when people were like, oh, I made a 90 on that quiz. How did you do? I'm like, well, I made a 75 <laughs> or, you know. Or and a 20. And you're okay. like... <laughs> or a 20. Well, I never told anybody about my 20s when I was making those, um, which is another thing that factors into feeling alone um, because the people who make 90s and 100s are willing to tell their test grades and the people who are making 20s and 10s are not. So, if all you hear are people saying, oh, yeah, I made an 80 or a 90, and here you are with your 20, you're not going to go and tell somebody and be like, I made 20, guys. Who's going to study with me? Yeah. Uh, and that's the, right, exactly. And everyone shares when they pass the pants, and nobody ever says a peep when they fail it. There's not a word out there. Exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of, um, well, you if- know, when I when I came back, that was one of the things that we try to try to kind of change the culture and saying like it's okay to not be doing well um as long as you're doing something to change it and we're here to help if you if you don't know how to study or we've been there we've made those 10s and 20s um and and a lot of people actually did end up coming us come coming to us for help and then uh the class below us i think three or four people failed anatomy and took that cumulative exam and so we um, help to them study for their cumulative exam. 
Well, wow, um, that's amazing. That and I'm, I'm sure that was a uh, just a huge, like you said, cultural shift for that class. Because I can picture every other class, you know, basically in the history of PA school where everybody just keeps their mouth shut and doesn't share that information. So that's unbelievable that you guys would be that open and that helpful. Yeah, I mean, I, I really didn't want other people to go through what I went through and feel alone like I did. And so that's kind of where my head was at when we just decided we're going to be open about it. Um, yeah, so that was helpful, I think, for other people. One of the things that just reminded me when you were talking about comparing yourself to other people, I've always been a very fast test taker. And so all my classmates would think that meant that I was smart. What they didn't know was they had no idea what my grades were. You know what I mean? So I thought it was very funny that they would all use that as a comparison. And the reality doesn't even, it didn't even matter. It had no relevance on whether I did well or didn't do well. Um, and, and it just has to do with, like I said, like how, how you are comparing to other people and what things you're comparing. It doesn't even matter to begin with. Right. Right. Because it's not like there's only three top places and only three people are going to graduate. <laughs> the top right. three. Like, you know, it, you're either going to pass or you're not. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. And, and I spent a lot of time stressing about why am I not as smart as this person or why am I not mm-hmm. getting it as well as this guy um, or this girl or whoever. Um, and that just takes away your confidence and you need confidence to take a test. Um, otherwise, and, and, my just, lar- and my larger just point is yourself up. you don't even know what they're doing. I mean, they can be telling you anything they want. You know, right. they can come across like they know it, but you don't actually know what's going on. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so, so comparing yourself is just a waste of energy. There's no reason to do it and it's not helpful. So it sounds like you've had, you've done a lot to shift gears, create a whole better situation for yourself and come up with a whole new style of approaching, uh, the workload and everything. How has that been going for you? Tell us where you are in your journey now. Um, so I never had to take another cumulative exam again, so that was nice. (laughs) Um, that was a huge relief. Um, now I've finished a didactic. I am about to finish rotation number five out of eight. So I have three more six week rotations and then I'll graduate at the end of July. I'm still not sure exactly what area I want to practice in, but I know that I'm passionate about underserved populations, especially immigrants and refugees. So I hope to work at a place that lets me serve those patients. And since you've started again, so you said that you didn't have to take any of those tests again, but yeah. overall you felt pretty comfortable with how your approach has been. Your grades have been pretty, you know, and again, you don't have to share anything in particular, but have been about where you hope they would be about where you thought they should be. Your exams are going fairly well. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like, um, Rotations have been cool because I, I realized that I actually know some of the stuff that um, <laughs> I learned in didactic and that it actually is helpful. I feel better about stuff that has been repeated throughout time. Every every time I go back and study something that I have already been tested on, I feel like I know it better every time or I'm just reviewing rather than relearning or rememorizing information. So, so I think that's a testament to my successful changes that I've made is that the information that I'm repeating, I don't look at it and think, have I learned this before? <laughs> like, I'm actually looking at it and recognizing it. And, um, you know, maybe I'll remember 
uh, or have to relearn lab values or something like that. But sure. um, for the most part, I feel like what I learned in didactic is coming in handy um, because I actually learned it and I didn't just memorize it. And yeah, so my grades are good. Um, I've passed every EOR. I'm doing better on every EOR than the one before. I've been reading your newsletter, obviously, and um, using a lot of those tips and tricks and philosophies uh, to keep getting better. Um, and like I said, every EOR has been a better grade than the one before. Wow, that's, so, that's fantastic. That's so if you had to give some advice to somebody who's listening and sort of on the edge or you know, even just struggling, let's say they got that 30 or 20 or whatever on their first exam and they're not sure where they are or what to do, um, where would you begin for them? Um, well, first of all, reminding them that they're not alone, um, that other people are struggling too, whether they're saying it or not. Um, and, and not to be afraid to ask for help because that's what your faculty is there for. And I mean, they report their, their, what do you call it? How many people stay in the program and how many people, uh, pass the pants. So they want you to succeed whether they like you or not. <laughs> so you, you can ask for help. And then second, don't be afraid to change your game plan. Like if you're studying a certain way, you don't have to just muscle through it or do it more or do it harder. You don't have to stay up later, you know, writing out every single, I don't know, phone or mm-hmm. um, anything like that. There are different ways to study and it's okay to change halfway through. Um, I think that was part of me. I was stubborn and thinking, well, I just need to do it more or harder or I'm just, you know, or something. But, but yeah, it's okay to change the way that you're studying. Um, and you can ask, I mean, I'm sure most people would be glad to tell you how they study, but don't compare yourself to them, but you might take their tips or try this or try that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's great. So then just to wrap up, fill me and you are in your fifth rotation. Which one's been your favorite so far? Mm, That's really hard. I've loved everything. Um, I really liked PEDS. I really liked, um, I've worked at two different nonprofits. One of them was like the designated um, uh, clinic for people in public housing. And then another one was the designated clinic for all refugees arriving in Tennessee. So that was really cool. That's probably my favorite one, the refugee clinic, because that's kind of the people that I'm passionate about. But also it was kind of like half family care and half urgent care. So I got to see a lot of interesting things that were unexpected and then but then I also got to you know like educate people about diabetes and hypertension and um that sounded boring to me in the beginning but now that I understand more it's actually it's really cool to see patients actually understand what's going on in their body so that's cool no I agree that's that to me is a ton of fun is is watching the watching the turnaround in the people as you have that conversation Mm -hmm. so that's great well thank you so much for coming on today and sharing this with us, sharing this with everybody. I think it makes a huge difference. Like I said, I couldn't be more thankful to Elena for having shared when she spoke about uh, failing the pants. And then now uh, from a whole different perspective, a whole different issue, but something that like, like we talked about today is, is how few people talk about and sort of sweep under the rug and make everybody feel like they're alone. And I think it makes a huge difference when people like you come forward and sort of say, Hey, this is what happened. And 
yes, in the moment it was awful and it's been awful, but right now I'm doing pretty good and things are looking up and I'm going to wind up where I wanted to be anyway. Just, you know, it took a little longer and I had to figure some things out, but that's fine. And here I am. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. I believe that God had a plan for me and that this was in the plan all along and I grew a lot from it. Um, I've gotten a lot of peace um, that this was the right thing for to happen to me because I feel like I've helped people um, in my current class through things that they may not have had anybody else to help them with. So I definitely believe this was the right thing to happen to me, but I would like to prevent it from happening to other people. <laughs> of course, so. of course. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much. So there we go. That was another amazing member of the community willing to share with us her story and how she got to where she is and be a voice for people who are feeling like they're alone out there. I think that's the biggest takeaway from this interview and from Alana's interview is the idea that everyone is struggling, right? This stuff isn't easy. It's not straightforward. It's not high school. It's difficult. It takes a lot of work, a lot of energy. If you are struggling, you are not the only one. Understand there are lots and lots of people out there who are in the same boat. I get emails from people every single day, weekly, you know, all the time, people who are struggling in school, people who are struggling and who have failed the pants one, two, and three times. And that's not to say that to scare anybody. It's just to say that you're not alone. There are lots of people that this happens to. And I wanted just to, I was so thankful uh, to get this story out there and to, to get it shared with you. And, and the fact that it was such a nice turnaround story and how well she's doing now and how well she's gotten everything back together and, and been able to help those people and turn this into a really, really positive thing. And again, that's one of the reasons I wanted to share it today in particular was on a day when things are a little strange around the country, things are a little bit different and that we're not all doing the things we would normally want to be doing, but we can take those and make them a positive. Um, just like our guest did today, she took this terrible experience and turned it into something really worthwhile and, and helped her classmates and made her feel good and made her friends feel good that they were able to keep anyone in their class from failing, from having to repeat. And what an honor that was to be able to do that for those people and take that out of it. So I do, so it's always that silver lining, always the how do you make it better uh, and how do you improve things. One of the things I just talked about in my the work from home video series I just put together was an idea from a guy uh, who I follow. His name is Michael Hyatt, and I'm not going to go into his whole backstory here, but one of his sayings has always been, what does this make possible? And it's that idea of, yes, this is bad. This is not something that we want to be doing. This is not a place we want to be. It's not something I would recommend anyone do uh, on purpose. But now that we're here, what does this make possible that we couldn't do before because things were going so well? Uh, is there something else we can do? And could you help other students? Could you be a resource for other people? In this case, uh, with the COVID-19 virus, it's, it, I go through the same thought. What does this make possible? Well, one of the things it makes possible is spending an, an enormous amount of time with my kids, right? Uh, that's, a, that's something we haven't done as a family. You know, we try to, we do, we spend a, a lot of time as a family, but not nearly like what we've been doing this month. So anyway, I don't want to take too much away from the interview and go down a different rabbit hole. I just wanted to say again, thank you. Uh, and to anybody taking their exam, anyone struggling, please feel free to reach out and get some help either to me, to somebody in your class, to your faculty. Uh, please make sure that you're doing that. And again, you can always reach me on the website, www.physicianassistantexamreview.com. And I'm just going to go ahead and we'll wrap it up there. <laughs>